2: A difficult day, right? You I'm sure by now heard about uh, Oregon and the Umpqua College shootings that I believe left 10 dead. That number includes the shooter and uh, I think 10 or so or more injured. Unbelievable, isn't it? Another mass shooting. And it's, you know, when when does this end? Where does this go? Where do we go from here? Uh, it's just a tragedy, and our hearts and our prayers go out to the families of those uh, students. A gunman uh, goes in, singles out, apparently, Christians. Open fire at Oregon's Umpqua Community College, singling out Christians, according to the father of one of the wounded students. Um, anyway, tragedy. And uh, obviously not you know not new we've we've had quite a few of these tragedies and uh i think we're getting to a point where you know something's got to be done in fact even uh, uh president obama is has basically had enough
3: as i said just a few months ago and i said a few months before that and i said each time we see one of these mass shootings our thoughts and prayers are not enough it's not enough It does not capture the heartache and grief and anger that we should feel. And it does nothing to prevent this carnage from being inflicted someplace else in America. We don't yet know why this individual did what he did. And it's fair to say that anybody who does this has a sickness in their minds. But we are not the only country on Earth that has people with mental illnesses or want to do harm to other people. We are the only advanced country on Earth that sees these kinds of mass shootings every few months. So,
2: here we go. And by the way, if, you know, great argument, we keep, we can't keep doing this. And yet, you can already see it's going to now get polarized. We are the only nation that does this, probably because we have guns, right? And gun laws in our Constitution. So here we go. So then it becomes gun laws. We also have probably uh, a, a fairly inadequate mental health program in our country and the management of mental health. Then you create the collision between mental health and guns, right? People that shouldn't have guns shouldn't have access to guns because of mental health issues. So let's just put a... Let's just put a program together where anybody that's getting mental health evaluations or anybody that has a mental health issue has no access to guns. Okay, that's great. Now we have privacy issues because now you're going to get into my mental health records and you're going to have, you know, gun vendors and Walmart calling to check a database that has information that's private and personal to me from my doctor, okay, then I'm not going to go get mental health help because I really believe in guns and I want to go hunting with my family. And off we go. And so about every quarter we'll have a mass shooting and our politicians and everyone will jump on board and big businesses behind all of these issues will jump on board and it'll get muddied up and nothing will happen. And this will all settle down. And in three more months, we'll have another shooting. How on earth do you solve this? I love the energy President Obama has about it. Love it. And I think we, everyone on earth can agree we need to do something more. We can all agree. We need to. What? I want to know what they all think the answer is. I, we got to figure out what they think the answer, what is the true blue answer to this? Some, if you if you see anybody that goes to choosing one answer, guns, it's not enough. It's not enough. A lot of people harmed, injured in Oregon in that shooting. Then other side's going to say, go to Chicago. That many are injured every weekend. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So there's mass shootings and then there's just typical violence in the streets. So which one of those do we solve? Guns. Just get rid of the guns. Okay. It's probably going to be a long road on the guns. Doesn't mean we can't do something about guns. We should. In fact, I'm going to bet everybody believes we should do something more about making sure that guns can't get in the hands of people that aren't mentally stable. I'm going to bet we have a Really high level of agreement on that. And yet we can't find a solution for that. So watch out for this, because as we're starting to talk about the pain of what's going on in Oregon, I think we're going to also end up seeing it's a much more complicated issue than anybody wants to make it. This could also easily be about media exposure on mass shootings. Because we are now going to talk about this in the media for the next week. So if you're deranged anyway and you have a gun anyway and you have weird ideas to go harm people and you see a lot of attention coming about our mass shootings, do you think that influences any of it? Well, yeah, but don't blame the media. The media just – we're just reporting the facts and what's going on. Sure you are, I know. But we are probably also – when we think about President Obama's advice that we're one of the only countries – that has mass shooting problems, we also are one of the biggest countries that has this pop culture mentality and media, you know, kind of instantaneous media culture. And it creates ratings. So it's a complicated solution. Meanwhile, families in Oregon are suffering. And I don't care if you politicize it or not, but ask for a solution. So President Obama's been president seven years. What's his solution? He's passed through the most difficult thing on earth you could have ever passed was the health care initiative, and he somehow got that through. Senate, Congress made it happen. It happened. He could have done something, right? Or could he? He can get health care through at the literally the just the hatred of his opposition, and yet... We can't do something here. I want to know what the solutions are. So what are the solutions? Because you'll hear every politician talk about how more needs to be done, and they'll even hint around what might need to be done. But what? Give me exactly the answers. What are your answers? How are you going to handle the background checks? Give me the answer. How are you going to handle the mental health issue and the privacy of mental health and still keep people getting mental health support and and aid and help if you're going to start putting them on a registry how are you going to do that those are the conversations we need to start having but instead just watch we'll divide it that's just what we do that's just how we are as humans we're just going to go to the pattern that we know and we're going to just start being divisive and so we've got to do something different or let's just keep praying for the people of Oregon and then let's just keep praying for the next ones and let's keep praying for the next ones. Not even to mention if it's even true or not, the whole fact that he was targeting the, the, the predator, the guy that was out there chasing and killing everybody, was chasing and, and targeting Christians. That's a whole other dynamic here, right? We've had two or three recently mass shootings involving religious situations, So that may not just be a gun issue, right? That may also just be a tolerance issue, which might come down to our conversations we're having. So we got to start doing something, right? We're going to be talking about it uh, this morning, not about what you can do per se, but again, anybody. And I want you to think of that. When you start to hear all of these candidates start talking about, the Oregon shooting, I want you to listen for solutions. And if all they're doing is talking about the need to do something and the seemingly actively looking like they're doing something because they're talking about it, no. I want to know what their answers are. What are their solutions? You, you should demand that, even from our president. And I, again, I'm grateful that he's so angry about it because this has gone on long enough. And now it's time to do something something different. Um, let's do this. We're going to uh, first... Go to the headlines, uh, a week in review with Kathy Aiken. After that, we're going to come back and we're going to be discussing how you're supposed to talk about this with your kids. How do you talk about a mass shooting with your kids? But right now, let's go find out the, the week in review with Kathy Akin.
4: everyone. The government is up and running after Congress passed a temporary spending measure Wednesday night and President Obama signed it. That means the government will continue to run at least through December 11th. A new government report released on Wednesday said dozens of U.S. Secret Service employees improperly accessed a job application by U.S. Congressman Jason Chaffetz. The application was for a job with the Secret Service 12 years ago, and the information was viewed by at least 45 employees the idea was to embarrass the congressman because of his investigation into scandals inside the agency.
5: Digesting it, uh, shocked and surprised. It's a bit scary. If they if they would do this to me, I just shudder to think what they might be doing to other people.
4: Releasing the information may represent criminal violations under the U.S. Privacy Act. Pope Francis ended his visit to the U.S. on Sunday night, urging hundreds of thousands gathered for mass in Philadelphia to be open to the miracles of love, During his visit, the Pope met with five victims of clerical sexual abuse and warned bishops they'll be held accountable if they don't protect their flocks. I
6: commit to a careful oversight
1: to ensure that youth are protected
6: and that all responsible will be held accountable.
4: While in the U.S., the Pope also spoke on climate change, immigration, religious freedom, and the family. On Wednesday, Russian troops used airstrikes in Syria hours after the nation's parliament gave Putin approval. Russia claimed its warplanes bombed Islamic State positions in Syria, but a senior U.S. defense official says the strikes are actually hitting the Free Syrian Army and other forces that are fighting against Bashar al-Assad. The bombings continued into a second day yesterday with Iranian fighters in the country to aid the Russian forces. A new Fox News poll shows Hillary Clinton's personal favorable ratings have hit a new low. Just 38 percent of voters view Clinton favorably. That's down from 45 percent in May. Part of the reason for her
7: dropping poll numbers is her ongoing email
4: controversy, but the Democratic frontrunner said she's
7: cooperating. Uh, I can't predict to you what the Republicans will come up with, what kind of you know charges or claims they might make. I have no control over that. Yeah. I can only do the best I can to try to respond. The Justice Department has the emails. They have the server. They're conducting a security inquiry. They will take whatever necessary steps are required to get this matter resolved.
4: On the GOP side, Ben Carson's favorability is up 20 percent to 46 percent. That's the highest number among Republicans. Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards was in the hot seat on Tuesday at a House oversight hearing. Richards says her organization does not profit from selling fetal tissue you need federal dollars. You're making a ton of dough. We don't make any profit off of federal money. Conservatives are trying to defund the organization after videos were released of their employees purportedly negotiating the sale of fetal tissue for profit. Late Tuesday night, Georgia executed Kelly Gissendanner by lethal injection, Georgia's only woman on death row and the first woman to be executed there in 70 years. Gissendanner was convicted for conspiring with her boyfriend to have her husband killed back in 1997. The execution took place despite several last-minute appeals, including a plea from Pope Francis. Speaking of the Pope, he reportedly had a secret meeting with Kentucky County Clerk Kim Davis during his visit.
6: The meeting uh, came you know, from the, the Vatican itself. Pope Francis uh, had been uh, following the story of Kim Davis and obviously is very concerned about religious liberty, not just in the United States, but worldwide.
4: That was Davis's attorney, Matt Staver. That meeting reportedly took place at the Vatican Embassy in Washington. Joyce Mitchell, the woman who confessed to helping two men escape from an upstate New York prison, was sentenced on Monday. She was sentenced up to seven years in prison for giving hacksaw blades and other tools to help Richard Matt and David Sweat. German prosecutors have opened a criminal probe into former Volkswagen CEO Mark. Martin Wintercorn. This coming after the automaker's recent admission it installed software in its diesel cars to cheat emissions tests on 11 million vehicles. With the Week in Review, I'm Kathy Aiken.
2: Thank you, Kathy. Uh, man, quite a week it has been, hasn't it? And then topped off by the tragic uh, shooting in in Oregon. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to be addressing what we should be talking t- um how we should talk about this shooting with our children. When they're seeing it on the news, when they're hearing about it, they have the questions. We're going to get into the, uh, the basic idea of how do you address these types of stressful situations with your children? How do you elevate and give them you know, hope, not just fear, through tragedy like we're seeing in Oregon? Stick with us, folks giving you the tools you need to uh, make it through this tough, tough news story and just uh, a difficult life at times. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, last night uh, I was watching TV, um, actually doing the dishes and watching TV. And uh, watching uh, TV and my child, my how old? 12-year-old, was sitting there listening to the news about the shooting in Oregon. And that's when they started making, uh, I guess, or some of the announcements about this being about, you know, the guy was asking if people were Christians and then depending on if they were a Christian, they'd get shot in the head. If they weren't a Christian, they'd get shot, I guess in the leg is what we heard on CNN last night. And right when that was said, I turned and looked at my 12 year old and he looked at me and he was just in disbelief. And he said, dad, they're shooting Christians. Now, We don't know a lot of information about that yet, but that is what some of the witnesses are saying and some of the families of those that were shot are saying. And um, so we'll find out more about that. But it was an interesting moment because my 12-year-old child is sitting there thinking, what? And I noticed he's nervous now. So I wanted today to talk about and spend some time talking about what we're supposed to do in the middle of an emergency like this, a a sad tragedy, when the news is going to just keep reporting and our children are major sponges absorbing all of this information, however, without the filtering abilities to actually know what it means. What is the responsibility of parents During a situation like this, and what should we be saying? What should we be doing with our children? First and foremost, you can turn the TV off. In fact, if you have young kids, kids under five or six, they shouldn't hear any of this. They just do not need to hear it. They also don't necessarily have the ability to even handle it. So don't don't be listening to it. Well, I know, but I want to hear it. Well, great. Then go in another room. Put on a headset. You know? Listen some other time. Read the newspaper tomorrow. But your your children, five and younger, do not need to hear anything about this. So protect them. Their brains developmentally can't handle it. They're not wired to know that this can even happen yet. So don't watch the stories and... Don't have the children in the room when the TV's on. Do that little benefit and and help. If your children are in teens, are in the teen years, if they're a little older, they're going to hear it. They're going to hear about it on their own, you know, Twitter feeds. And so they're going to bring up the questions. So you could just wait for your children to bring up some of the questions. So, Dad, what's going on with this Colorado thing? Or the what's going on with the Oregon thing? I mean, And every single shooting is the same. Every single disaster is really the same. Um, I remember watching the tsunami. Do you remember the tsunami that hit a few years ago? Holy cow, with my kids. And we sat there for hours, and then we turned the TV off and talked about it as a family. So moments like this can be incredibly valuable time as a family to reconnect to what our values are, what our principles are, to reinforce the safety for your children. So my son last night said, Dad, so if this happened at my school, what am I supposed to do? And it started a really interesting discussion. I go, what do your, your teachers tell you to do? He's like, we don't, I don't know. They just say, follow your teacher and stay in the room. They'll lock the room down and just be with your teacher. And he's like, but I really, I'm pretty sure I'm going to just run. I just run. I'm like, well, why would you run if the teachers – they tell you to stay with your teachers? Well, because the rooms could be easy to get into and – so we had a really good discussion. I go, well, if you're going to run, what if everybody runs? Wouldn't that just make it harder? And we talked about it, that maybe it's better to just do what the teachers have prepared and planned and and focused on. More importantly might be that we just reinforce that, you know, I've been around a long time, son, and – I've seen a lot of situations like this, and it's very rare. So this this isn't going to happen in your lifetime. This isn't going to be there. Maybe just reinforce their fear. Another powerful tool that I think all of us could do a lot better is just actually listen and let your kid talk. Don't try to shut the conversation down. Don't try to outthink them and make them, you know, Don't even just get into the logic of it. Let your child just share their emotion because the more they share their emotion about the situations and their fears about these situations, you're going to see and learn a lot about your child. What is he worried about? What does she think? And by the way, by letting her talk and share her story and share her feelings, you'll see it will actually decrease their emotion and energy about it. Now, I know you got a whole back pocket full of incredible wisdom, handed down generation to generation. I remember when. Now might not be the time to share that wisdom yet. Let them share their fears, their insecurities. Validate those fears. You know what, honey? This is a scary thing. I'd be scared too. This is a scary thing, isn't it? And let the feelings be real instead of like hurrying and poo-pooing them and diminishing or, you know, Eliminating those fears by supposedly talking them out of it. Um, you, You can reassure by just simply hearing and listening. And then once you've heard the stories that they're afraid of and you get what their fears are, then we can maybe address those fears specifically. What's powerful about that approach is you don't need to address a fear they don't have. You know? You don't need to bring up an answer that they haven't brought up. That's what's so funny. It's like um, I had a friend who brought a child home from the hospital. When they brought their child home from the hospital, uh, one of their other children, an older child, about five or six, said, Daddy, where do babies come from? No, where did the the baby come from? And the dads thought, oh, man, oh, boy. Now we got to teach him the birds and the bees. And they sat the child down and started teaching the birds and the bees. And really, the kid just wanted to know, was it the hospital? (laughs) The baby came from the hospital? Was mommy in the hospital? Isn't that weird? If we get into a discussion about the birds and the bees that wasn't even necessary, you're probably just going to confuse the kid. When the kid really wants to know about the birds and the bees, let's talk about the birds and the bees. When you have a child that's talking about What they heard about this Oregon shooting, and that's their conversation, you might want to hear what they're really worried about. Are they worried about being shot in their school, or are they worried about people coming after Christians? or Are they worried about the fact that they're just not safe, or are they worried about being shot? So when they tell you they're afraid, ask them, tell me what you're afraid about. Specifically, tell me what you fear and then get into their specific fear. It will probably make your conversation with your children much, much more efficient. So it's a tragedy and it's a teaching moment. And if you remember Charleston and the Charleston shootings, there's also so many amazing uh, things that can also come from these stories. There's amazing stories of positive change and of healing and of faithfulness and of Christian values that were shared in Charleston. Do you remember? So remember, outside of this, there's a lot of other stories, beautiful stories, and and just incredible stories about these children that also could become a part of your discussion. Remember, one of the keys to conversation and why it's important for how the media handles this, how President Obama handles it, how our Congress people handle it. How we communicate around issues like this are what creates and generates the type of symbols we have. All symbols, all words, all just think of the word, just think of the word like mass shootings. That is a word, that's a symbol for what takes place when a person goes in and kills a bunch of people at once, right? And How we handle the discussion, how we handle the conversations about it, determine what we feel about these things. And I think one reason we're so also disheartened about mass shootings is because we keep talking about a problem and nobody seems to be solving it. And we polarize the problem into the little categories that we polarize it into. Guns, mental health, discrimination, You know, anger. Anyway, racism. And the next thing we know, we've just turned it into a really yucky where nothing's going to be solved. So the conversations you have with your children are going to matter. We'll take a break, come back, continue this discussion about what we should say to our kids In these tragic events and uh, during these tragic events, how we can uh, create a little more safety, a little more security for our children through these conversations. We'll be right back. Addressing uh, the shooting in Oregon, 10 people dead. How do you talk about it with your family? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today uh, we are talking about how to talk about a tragedy like the shootings in Oregon with your children. How do you bring up these issues with your family and not not create more fear, but manage the emotions that they're having? And and I think when we talk about it, um, one of the goals should always be let the kid, let the child kind of lead the discussion. So the rule is, uh, in order to influence somebody, you must first be influenced by them. If you want to influence your children in this conversation, you got to be influenced by them, meaning let them tell you what they're really worried about. So listen to them, let them share their stuff, their their fears, their concerns. And as you listen, you're going to be directed and know what their concerns are. You do not need to fix a concern they do not have. You can listen and hear what their concerns are and then specifically address those issues. The goal, though, is to lower their emotion, right? And to lower their emotion, you might, and this is one of the greatest things I've ever learned in communications, is letting someone talk does lower their emotion if you can just hear it. Validate it. If you hear they're scared and they're afraid that they're going to be hurt at school, then just validate it so you're worried that this could happen to you in your school. It's just me taking what they said and holding it up so they can see it. And then when they can see it, they'll be like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because we're out in the portables outside of the school and people can get in there a lot easier. And what if they do? So you're worried that because you're outside of the school, you're not as secure as being inside the school. Just paraphrase. You listen to what they're saying and you let them talk. Now, what makes this hard for everybody, not just if you're trying to deal with a tragedy like this. Um, it's in every communication problem is when my emotion also gets into it. I don't want my child to be afraid, right? And I want to fix that. So, uh, well, you're not, you're safe. This is the safest it's ever been. And you can start giving statistics that you just heard, but you're not going to talk them out of this concern. If you have feelings, though, and you're devastated and afraid, of what you saw, for example, at Umpqua College in uh, Oregon, then, okay, that's hard, right? That's, you've got the feelings. But just because you have a feeling doesn't mean you need to share it. And it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be healthier because you did share it. Uh, There's a really great article um, that I found online out of the Connecticut, uh, I believe, school district, and... One of the things that it talks about is if all of the sudden, if I shared every concern I have with my children, I would have neurotic children, right? So, for example, let's say you're driving a car down a road. And it's an unfamiliar road. It's a twisty road, a turning road, and you're in the dark. Should you say this to your child? You know, we're going into some very dangerous territory, honey, and I'm not sure if I can handle it. I may need you to grab the wheel every once in a while. Is that what you should say to your kid? You know, it's going to be dark for a while, and this could get slippery, and there's a chance we could slide off the road and hit a bridge embankment, and, you know, half of us die. Okay, Mom. Well, good luck. You, If you have a feeling, if you have a concern, if you're worried, you don't have to always share it, especially with your children. Your children aren't your peers. They're not your friends. They're not your equals intellectually, developmentally, emotionally. They're not somebody you should run your concerns by, especially if they're too young. If you are a little worried and you want the kids to, you know, buckle in and get safe, then, you know, you could say, hey, it's going to be mom's going to have to focus on driving for a minute because this is kind of a this is a tougher part of the road. So here's your blanket. Hang on and we'll we'll take care of you in a minute. You don't need to get into the details. And the same is true when you talk about these events. So are all Christians going to die? Son, it sounds like you're worried about what you heard about the Christians being shot up in Oregon at the school. Tell me what you feel about that. And let them let it go. I might also kind of get away of from saying things like, you know, there's just bad people that do bad things. I mean, that's I guess I mean you can say that. It's in the end though, you might want to just also talk about some of the complexities because this might be a great way as your children are aging that you can start to teach them that not everything in life is just black and white. Some things like this are very complicated. Why is President Obama so mad? Well, because he's had a lot of these to deal with as president and he's tired of it. And there's a battle going on. I mean, we have really cool discussions with my teenage kids. Um about issues and political issues. And what I try to teach them all the time is things are complex. Just like we did when we started the show today. This is a tragedy. By the way, and tragedies happen in life. And guns are really easy to get for people that aren't mentally stable. And we don't handle mental health issues very well right now in this country. And those who are mentally unstable can get guns. And there's privacy issues. And I teach my older kids, because it's age appropriate, what is going on. And by teaching them that things have a lot of gray, I also am teaching them how to start thinking through things. And notice one of the operative words I use a lot is the word and, 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 and. And President Obama has – Obama has a great point that this can't continue. And we're one of the only countries that has this going on all the time. And that may be because we have such you know, open gun laws that allow so many people to have guns. And it's more complicated than that. And – we have to start understanding how people can be so estranged from the rest of humanity that they could go want to kill them. And we never really talk about that unless there's a shooting. Do you Remember when the pilot flew the airplane into the mountain and killed everybody on board? We had a lot of discussions there about mental health. Where did that go? You know, where does that go? So this is complicated, and I think it's a powerful time right now to have this conversation with your kids. Now, you don't need to have it if they're not bringing it up, but if they're seeing it and noticing it and asking questions, I would explain it. I might give some in-depth, more in-depth explanations. I would also um, maybe not prolong the conversation, right? I would also make sure that you, if you're going to keep watching the news about this and following the news about this – I would also talk about the families. I'd talk about the people that lost somebody there. That might be an interesting discussion about death and about how we handle that, and what would that feel like, and help your children learn to empathize with these families. You might hear really cool stories, too, of things that happen out of situations like this, like we heard that came out of Charleston, where, they, where the, the congregants that were in that church were so forgiving and so loving. Then make sure your kids hear that so their good stories are also making it into their their head, right? Folks, this is life. And it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. And I don't think it's supposed to be. I actually think, and I'm a firm believer, that it's experiences like this that's the doorway that help us get to the deeper levels of learning and spirituality and growth. I might even talk to your kids about your belief system, your faith system, your God. I talk about how your faith system or your belief system or God could help us feel better about this. I might include in your prayers and your family prayers actually overtly praying for the people in Oregon so that your faith can actually be tied to this tragedy. I might even figure out how your child could use their faith or their beliefs that we all you know seem to espouse to one degree or another and use those to actually heal through this fearful moment that they might be having. anyway, this is life, folks. Not easy, but apparently, if we manage this well, worth it. So tough stuff. again, our prayers go out with uh, to all the families, and again, prayers aren't um, all they need. We need to make sure we we push to some solutions now, and not one-sided solutions, systemic, whole, complete solutions that touch everything that is a part of this. How so many people are ostracized from others, how we have this uh, competitive culture between conservatism and liberalism, how we have this incredibly... uh, crazy news cycle that makes a story like this so profound for right now nationally as well as guns as well as mental health issues as well as privacy issues let's start having the conversations let's start the healing so we don't go through this again we'll take a break folks this is the Matt Townsend show stick with us trying to help you see the good that there is in the world we'll be right back Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, just when you thought it couldn't be, you know, bad enough, holy cow, here we go. According to uh, Stephen Hawking, you know, one of the smartest men around, advanced aliens could conquer and colonize our planet. (laughs) Here come the aliens. Is that a UFO landing there, Ben? I think it's from, have you
8: ever seen the movie Signs? Signs? Yeah, I think this is the same kind of thing.
2: Oh, is it? They're sending us signs. It actually just sounds like a guy whistling on a ham radio. Wait, I think I know what they're saying. What are they saying?
8: Well, what they were saying. What did they say? Give us
2: Matt. Oh, boy. Oh, crap. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. That's not what they're saying. According to science, scientist Stephen Hawking, he says you may have some new things to worry about, like a potential alien invasion. He said if aliens visit us, the out could, outcome could be much more like when Columbus landed in America, which didn't turn out so well for the Native Americans, Professor Hawking told El Pais He said such advanced aliens would perhaps become nomads looking to conquer and colonize whatever planets they can reach. He said the physicist, uh, by the way, who had suffered, remember, a motor neuron disease since his 20s, explained that the existence of aliens is beyond doubt. To my mathematical brain, the numbers alone make thinking about aliens perfectly rational. The real challenge is to work out what aliens might actually be like. He also explained that the best chances for survival of the human race is to find a new home on another planet. Now, I don't understand that because uh, if they can find us on Earth, won't they find us on Mars? Now, with this great discovery on Mars that we can have that there's water there, you know, we could get in there, do some filtering, start growing some crops and live on Mars. There is an increasing risk that a disaster will destroy Earth. Again, I'm not Hawking, but is there not an increasing risk that, a, that, you know, a disaster could also destroy the next planet we find? Ah, Aliens. I therefore, according to Professor Hawking, he says, I therefore want to raise public awareness about the importance of spaceflight. I have learned not to look too far ahead, but to concentrate on the present. So I agree. Let's get uh, NASA back up. Let's get that thing going. Let's get, let's get to Mars. Let's get to the moon. Let's have a ladder to the moon. Let's also help this poor guy. Holy cow, sad story. Um, out of uh, It's so tragic. I think it was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. A man was sentenced for burning down his home, his family home, to rid it of aliens and demons. He burnt the home down. Joshua Whitman, 34, told police he set his home on fire in Ephrata Township, Pennsylvania, because aliens were living in the walls. Yeah. So, apparently, they're already here. This is the tangled web of life. Mm. Now, that is an alien. That's a UFO right there. That is... That brings chills.
8: I think we know what we need to do.
2: We need to phone home. No, don't burn down the house. Don't burn down the house. E.T.? I'm sorry. We're,
8: we have to burn the studio down. Ouch.
2: Oh, that was a great show, too. E.T., a great alien. So if the aliens are like E.T., come on. Just want to cuddle with him? It's a weird thought, isn't it? But don't burn your house down. If aliens came in and take over, honestly, if you've gone to a Walmart, you've seen what there is to see. I'm pretty sure if we have aliens on Earth, they're at Walmart. Or they're, you know, they're at a county fair. It's... It's just humanity, folks. This is the tangled web, and I love it because life is about a bunch of people on this big ball of mud we call Earth trying to figure out how to make it through without making everyone's life worse.
9: Welcome to Earth.
2: (laughs) Welcome to Earth. And honestly, if you want to, you can worry about the aliens that aren't even living here, but I'd worry about all the crazy people you're driving next to on the roads in, the people you go to work with. We're we, we're all already major Martians and aliens when, it, when we come to this. Think of it. We are not even good with ourselves. Our bodies, we're a little messed up. So let's just keep it home. Worry about home. Don't burn down your home, for heaven's sakes. You don't need to go to jail for this. The aliens... They're not coming from out of space. They are among us already. I work with one. Not going to name a name, but his name rhymes with Ken. Blosden. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to take a break, folks. I
8: really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a
6: fight and get all rowdy.
2: I totally agree. You're so right. Instead, let's just get rowdy without them. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you make it through the alien abductions and just the alien life here on Earth. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back next hour. More tools, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. Today uh, October 2nd name your car day. Today's the day you should name your car celebrating the naming of cars today. Uh, ben did you ever name your car? I have never had a car. Okay well then don't name it anything. I, I my sister used to always name her cars and I thought that was weird.
8: I've named a bike before.
2: What did you what did you name your bike?
8: The silver bullet
2: Wow powerful. The silver bullet. That's, that's quite a weird name for your bike. You need a car, Ben. Get a car, my friend. I forgot. You're fourteen. Yeah. I'm, you can't even drive yet.
8: This is a juvenile delinquent program. <laughs>
2: that's right. We always run uh we, we work with the juvenile courts here in Utah and we have a program that lets the the advanced juvies run the Matt Townsend showboard. And Ben is the He's the most advanced juvie we've got. Uh, by the way, it's also World Smile Day, so today's the day. You got to just smile little, find a little happy time in your life, right? It uh, there there weren't there's not a lot of smiles going on back in uh, DC right now. A uh, lot of chaos about uh, the, the the what they thought would be the heir apparent to John Boehner. Uh, I think his name's Kevin McCarthy. Kind of blew it. Now everyone's like, "Eh, not sure I'm into him. Tragic uh, news also coming out of Oregon. I'm sure you've heard by now the shootings uh, in Oregon and uh, that that's left 10 people dead. Many others injured at the Umpqua, I think is how you say it. Umpqua. I mean, uh, community college. It's just tragic. Guy goes in there and ended up shooting um, nine other people. He was shot by police in a stand- after a little shootout. President Obama also uh, was all, all over it and basically angry, saying we got to do something. We got to get some solutions here to change this. And so, you know, we talked about that last hour. Hopefully there will be some solutions coming out. Um, another <laughs> crazy uh, story that just i don't get i don't understand there are a lot of people apparently getting beard transplants and when i and when i look at when i look at ben i get it i understand it some people just can't grow a beard right i mean you just can't grow one but beard transplant surgeries are on the rise worldwide with one new york doctor saying that he performs about 3 beard transplants a week. What? The nonprofit International Society of Hair Restoration Surgery said beard transplants accounted for 1.5% of all hair restoration procedures in 2012. But that number has now spiked to 3.7% in 2014. People, more and more people want facial hair. I mean, I can't stand shaving. <laughs> And yet some people, I want to get some hair on my face. And it makes sense, right? Because you look good, ruggedly good looking. Right, Ben? You've grown hair on your face before. I mean, a hair. You've grown a hair on your face. Yeah, I usually
8: supplement it with Sharpie.
2: (laughs) Is that what that is? Yeah.
8: Well, I mean, I do have one hair.
2: But you do supplement it with Sharpies. That's neat. You just make little dots. How long does it take you to put all those dots on your face?
8: I wake up pretty early in the morning. That's so
2: sad. Um, apparently, it's, it's pretty expensive. A man who wished to only be identified as Ray, ruggedly good-looking Ray, said uh, he spent $22,000 on three procedures to correct the fact that his whiskers never grew on his cheeks. A lot of guys go through a midlife crisis and they buy a sports car. He said, I just got a beard.
8: Where do they get the hair?
2: Don't ask questions. They typically... uh, The hair follicles come from the back of the patient's head. They just tear them off like that. That's pretty gross. And then they place them on the face. That is... Let's get – let's just one more time listen to the sound of the procedure. That's pretty painful. So that's how it's done. I mean it's so sad because I know people that really – they got enough back hair that they could – if they could just comb it up. I don't know. Then you got a chin beard or a neck beard. That's always weird.
8: I wonder if they do, like, implant donations, like you have locks of love. I wonder if they donate those yeah. to, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm beards sure. of
2: yeah, beards bros. Of, <laughs> beards of bros. What are you doing with your back hair? I'm donating it to beards of bros. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? First world problems. First world problem How about this? Uh, In a minute, we're going to talk with uh, a guy named Edward Wang, who is at uh, the University of Washington. He's an electrical engineering graduate student, and he's uh, going to be joining us talking about a new invention that he came up with. It's wearable technology that uh, you can use to track your carbon footprint. You can use it to monitor how much electricity and energy you use per day. You could even use it to figure out who keeps leaving all the lights on in the house. Pretty interesting stuff coming up. So we'll be talking to him in just a few minutes. But before we do that, let's go to Kathy Aiken and find out. Uh, she's going to do a week in review for us. Kathy?
4: Good morning, everyone. Congress passed a temporary spending measure Wednesday night and President Obama signed it. That means the government will continue to run at least through December 11th. According to a new report, Russian hackers reportedly tried five times to break into Hillary Clinton's private email account, while well, she was secretary of state. The hackers sent infected emails disguised as speeding tickets over a four-hour period in August of 2011. The infected emails asked recipients to print the attached tickets, and that would have allowed hackers to take control of their computers. No word on whether or not Clinton clicked on those attachments. Speaking of Clinton, a new Fox News poll shows her personal favorable ratings have hit a new low. Just 38 percent of voters view Clinton favorably, that's down from 45 percent in May. Part of the reason for her dropping poll numbers is her ongoing email controversy, but the Democratic frontrunner says she's cooperating
7: with the investigation. Uh, I can't predict to you what the Republicans will come up with, what kind of you know, charges or claims they might make. I have no control over that. I can only do the best I can to try to respond. The Justice Department has the emails. They have the server. They're conducting a security inquiry. They will take whatever necessary steps are required to get this matter resolved.
4: On the GOP side, Ben Carson's favorability is up 20% to 46%. It was 26 percent back in May. That's the highest number among Republicans. Vice President Joe Biden will reportedly take even longer to decide whether or not he'll jump into the Democratic presidential race. Biden's associate says he's not preparing for his party's first debate on October 13th and isn't expected to participate. They say Biden won't likely announce his plans until later in October. On Wednesday, Russian troops began airstrikes in Syria. Russia claimed its warplanes bombed Islamic State positions in that country, but U.S. Defense Secretary Ash Carter challenged their claims that say they're targeting only ISIS and warned the strikes may backfire and only inflame Syria's civil war. Yesterday, Iranian forces reportedly entered Syria to aid the Russian forces. A new government report released on Wednesday says dozens of U.S. Secret Service employees improperly accessed a job application by Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz.
5: The more I learned about the Secret Service, the more I've recognized there's a deep-seated cultural problem. If, if they're doing this to me, who knows what else they're doing. It, it really is scary.
4: The application was for a job with the Secret Service 12 years ago. The information was viewed by at least 45 employees, apparently to embarrass the congressman because of his investigation into scandals inside the agency. Pope Francis ended his visit to the U.S. on Sunday night, urging hundreds of thousands gathered for Mass in Philadelphia to be open to what he called miracles of love. During his visit, the Pope met with five victims of clerical sexual abuse and warned bishops they'll be held accountable if they fail to protect their flocks. I
6: commit to a careful oversight
1: to ensure that youth are protected
6: and that all responsible will. Be held accountable.
4: While in the U.S., the Pope spoke on climate change, immigration, religious freedom, and the family. The Pope also reportedly met with Kentucky County Clerk Kim Davis during his stay, the woman who refused to issue same-sex marriage licenses.
6: Well, the meeting took place on Thursday afternoon last week. Uh, Kim Davis and Joe Davis uh, met Pope Francis. Now, they had a private meeting with him. The Pope reached out his hands. He asked uh, Kim Davis to pray for him.
4: Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards was under fire Tuesday during testimony at a House Oversight Committee hearing. Richards disputed charges that the organization profits from selling fetal tissue.
0: Why do you need federal dollars? You're making a ton
10: of dough. We don't make any profit off of federal money.
4: Conservatives are trying to defund Planned Parenthood after videos were released of their employees purportedly negotiating the sale of fetal tissue for profit. Joyce Mitchell, the woman who confessed to helping two men escape from an upstate New York prison, was sentenced this week up to seven years in prison for giving hacksaw blades and other tools to Richard Matt and David Sweat. Matt was later killed and Sweat was captured and is back in prison. Georgia executed Kelly Gissendanner by lethal injection late Tuesday night. Georgia's only woman on death row and the first woman to be executed in that state in 70 years. Gissendanner was convicted for conspiring with her boyfriend to have her husband killed back in 1997. An Oklahoma death row inmate received a stay of execution Wednesday night. Richard Glossop was set to die by lethal injection after he was convicted of orchestrating the murder of a hotel manager in 1997. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon ruled on the stay, citing concerns on the chemicals used in the execution. With the Weekend Review, I'm Kathy Aiken.
2: Well done, Kathy. Thanks for the update. And, uh, man, quite a week. Thank heavens, it's Friday. This is, uh, by the way, one of my favorite weekends of all of the year, this weekend. It's conference weekend, so we don't, uh, in my faith, we don't go to church this weekend. We watch on TV a general conference and uh, get to hear from all of the great leaders of the church. And what's cool about it is uh, you get to sit with your family and just hang out in your jammies. Love it! It's the greatest weekend ever. So I'm going to just snooze. No, I'm going to listen. And I'm going to then relax with my family. Excited for the weekend. Plus, some football games. BYU tonight, I believe. And tomorrow, uh, Corner Canyon's uh, 10- and 12-year-old teams will be playing. And my sons are on those teams. So watch out, Harriman. We're coming after you. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, we'll be joined uh, by an inventor, actually. An engineer um, who is basically going to change the world and how we use our energy and how we know how much energy we're using stick with us folks this is the matt townsend show Friends to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey have you ever used one of those uh, either an Apple watch or kind of a step counter? You know hook that on your phone or and hook your phone and go on a walk and then all of a sudden you know how many steps you're taking a day and it increases your awareness. Well our next guest uh, has done something similar in a way. It's basically a, it's a device that you can wear that helps you track your energy use, your use of electricity? What if you found out that by wearing the device, you could actually detect who left the lights on and or who leaves their television on? Or you might find out that your energy bill went up 20% this month. And what if you could actually go find out why and see who's the biggest energy user in your home? Tracking your carbon footprint his name is Edward Wang he joins us today and he is a he's at the University of Washington he's an electrical engineering graduate student and uh, he's here with us today as a representative of magnificence and is going to talk to us a little bit about this new wearable technology it has so many um, really uses that are fairly practical and could end up even saving lives as well as saving energy Edward Wang thank you for being with us today
11: Hi. Thanks for having
2: me. You bet. This is uh, this is this is a pretty new or a neat little in- invention. Talk about um, just talk about what you've created, and uh, and some of the uses that you see that uh, that we might be able to take advantage of.
11: All right. So, uh, so what we created is well, magnificence is really a sensing technique, as we call it, and sensing technique really is a way for computers to. Uh, learn more about the human world and in our case, we allow the computer to uh, figure out what you're doing in terms of what appliance you're interacting with and so when we talk about carbon footprint, really it's figuring out what electronics um, you use throughout the day right yeah so, you know when you drive you with a car um, get on the bus it's a bus uh, when you cook you turn on a stove uh, hmm. when you you know sit in the living room, you turn on the t v you turn on the lights et cetera whatever right so can yeah, it either.
2: it can detect if i'm on my phone
11: uh it can um uh, it we, we 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 do something with computers, but um uh, our kind of our thought is that like this is gonna be your phone right so it's the the the, the sensor is on your phone so i mean I guess it can detect your right. phone, but the sensor is your phone yeah okay so in, some, in some form um so yeah so, so that that's kind of the premise of it is that the sensor allows you allows the computer to detect all these. And when I say a computer, really, I mean like your phone or your your and hmm. so forth.
2: And, and so it really is picking up electromagnetic, I guess, radiation.
11: It, it is. So I mean, the the big bad word radiation might be a little far, but but really, it's, yeah, electronics prove um, uh, radiate. Yeah. Uh, when currents in a Computer runs through; it creates a magnetic radiation that we pick up. Yeah, Um, not not too different than like anything else that you know we kind of get scared about. But really, they're not; they're they're not that scary. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) at at least spoken from an electrical engineer that looks at it all the time.
2: But we, what Um, I guess what I'm thinking is, I I wear my, I wear this device, and um, I wake up in the morning. And I turn my light on and it senses I turned on the light because all of a sudden it's going to pick up the electromagnetic, you know, radiation. Radiant, right. And then right. – but then I'm doing it anyway, so whatever. And then I – you know, yeah. you get in the shower. You you do your hair or whatever. Somebody uses a hair dryer. It senses that. You turn on five lights in the morning. It can also see if you turn them off. Yeah. And, and it just starts detecting. I, I love the idea in a way because – I notice when I count my steps with my little step counter on my watch,
11: you think about it a little
2: all more, the right? time, yeah, so you're aware of it, and if I was more aware or my children were more aware of their energy consumption, you could actually set goals you could you could see how big of an impact you're having
11: exactly uh so so some of the the interesting all, uh, i guess scenarios we're thinking of is like you can compete with each other, yeah um. You know, like okay, you know, John's turning on the lights a little more often, but not turning it off. You know, like he has a debt of some sort.
2: Yeah, no, I love that. We do that with our cell phone bill. All of a sudden, it'll come in, and we've used all of our uh, we've used all of our what do they call it our our data plan. And so we're you know we blew it. We blew through the data plan, and we don't actually know who blew through it until we get the data and once we've got the data we can go fix the problem and you know create specific learning for that one child who right. always seems yeah. to blow the data plan. So, so th- this is a All cool right. way for that. I also saw another way that you're thinking of using it is um, for older people uh, or people with okay. dementia. H- how would you use it mm-hmm. with them?
11: So our, our thought really is uh, because we can tell who is actually using um a appliance, um, when, when you're in kind of a multiple people living scenario, uh, such as an elderly, elderly home, uh, you could have it in a way that the stove could be smart, right? Like it could talk to basically everybody's watches and say, all right, so who's turning me on? Huh. So say a caregiver goes and turns on the stove. You know, the, the stove just does the normal thing, turns on, and you know, that's the person who uses it, right? Uh, but say someone with diminished uses it. Then it could, you know, potentially flag and say, "Oh, hey, are you sure?" And maybe turn on some safety mechanisms, like for example, sending a notification to the the caregiver and yeah. say, "Hey, maybe maybe watch out a little bit." Um, or, I mean, maybe in the sense of like some some of the privacy things might be, maybe they don't want to give it all up. They don't want to be like, "Oh, every time I turn something, you know, someone gets notified."
9: Mm-hmm. But
11: then maybe then the stove could be also smart in that case and say. Send notifications to the the person with dementia you know, after however long when it feels like oh the person has left. And when I say feel like, it, it can actually sense that too. Yeah. Uh, well, you're not next to the stove, it will sense that you're not next to the stove, and so it could then contact the person and say, um, you know, did you mean to do that? And then maybe some back back and forth, and and then the system decides, all right, this person forgot, and then it could raise the Safety level, right? This can't be. This can't really be done without the computer being able to tell any of these
2: things. Mm -hmm. I I love it. Again, I have a family member that has dementia, and you know, you pretty much have to walk behind her all day to make sure she's not creating bigger problems for you. I, I think it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful um, invention. What, Edward, you, I mean, you're a college student, really, right? you Are are you a graduate student?
11: I'm, I'm a graduate student, yeah. I'm, I'm working on my PhD at the University of Washington.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this has got to be pretty fun because you're on the cutting edge of something that you can already kind of project is going to, it's where we're going. And, and how powerful, too, to start making the case of, of saving electricity and, and, and being able to be, to just lower our footprint to me, that is, that's a pretty powerful thing. I mean, if you got on a bus every, if you, if you would go get on mass transit, you could get a credit and the credit goes on your thing and, and you get a bonus for taking mass transit versus driving a car or whatever, you know, I mean, I think it'd be a really cool thing and yeah. you could turn it even into a game.
11: Yeah. I mean, well, so since working on this project, I've taking a lot more buses, have you? I'm from, I'm from California, so I, I drive a lot. Um, yeah. So having worked on this project, like, just yesterday, I was, like, going to the cafe, and I was like, oh, I could take the bus, and I took the bus. And it just, it just even this, the awareness of these things, I think, really helps, um, yeah. even in my own own choices. So, I mean, yeah. I can imagine, like, if we really had the sensing capability built into our everyday lives, which we don't have right, right now, but we have the technology now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would make make some interesting differences.
2: Oh, I, I totally agree. Let's take a break. We'll come back, Edward. Talk about this a little bit more, man. Uh, think about it. The change that can happen when we can just start tracking our, our own energy consumption, when we can start to actually identify what's going on and and what's happening in your own household. Man, I would go buy right now. I'd buy I'd buy six of these. Just to figure out why my power bill's out of control. We'll take a break. We'll come back more with Edward Wang and uh, his wearable sensor trying to change uh, the world. Lowering our carbon footprint or at least understanding how we're impacting our own energy use. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. friends to the Matt Townsend show you've already got an Apple watch or you already have your cell phone that will track your steps what if your cell phone could actually track your energy consumption how cool would that be and it starts to say look you're really sucking down the energy that would be great what if it just you know could automatically post to your Facebook page Jimmy is an energy glutton. Jimmy doesn't know how to turn a light off. Powerful ideas uh, from Edward Wang, who is our guest today. And Edward is at the University of Washington um, studying electronical or electrical engineering. And he's a graduate student there uh, working on his Ph.D. He is here today to talk to us about magnificence and this new technology that he's got that can actually sense what... Electrical devices you are using, um, and can track your your overall consumption of energy. Edward Wang, thanks for being here. Thank you. Do, do you see a day, Edward, where this uh, this wearable device—it's like a watch—it looks like with a—it's mm-hmm. about uh, the size of a mint. What are those called? Those.
11: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was described as like half an Altoid box or something. Yeah, half an Altoid box.
2: Do do you sense the day that it will eventually just be either in the phone or it will be in um, some other, like a like an Apple Watch? Yeah,
11: yeah. So, so, so what you see there is um, kind of our prototype with three of the, the sensing coils that actually we just bought off the shelf. And doing some back in envelope math, um, we can easily make it about ten times smaller than that. Hmm. But that's actually not our goal. Um, yes, we can do that, but our hope is actually that these are basically magnetic sensors, right? I mean, they're just sensing the magnetic radiations, and coils of wire is just one way to do it. Uh, you actually, you actually have um, uh, magnetic sensors like at, right now in your um, in your watch. Huh. It's 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 basically what you, uh, what you use to get the compass right and they're just a little too slow right now and, and you know going off of that ten times is actually about ten times too slow and what, we, what we've kind of done our our homework we, what we found is that it's not that these sensors can't be fast it's really i think that there's no use cases for it yeah uh, re- really the the way that we use the magnetic sensors right now is all right, are you turning north or are you turning south we don't really care if you're like i don't know turning north and south in, like, I don't know, 10,000 10, times a second or something. Right. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's really no use case. And what we hope is that we gave a use case now. And we're, we're in talks uh, with a few companies and in, in hopes is to convince them to make that sense of just fast enough to take our technology and implement it straight onto the Apple Watch and you know, the Android Watch and so on and so forth. Yeah. And and that's, uh, I don't think that's too... That's actually probably a lot easier than making that sensor 10 times smaller.
2: I think it's a cool idea, too, because who I mean, if Apple picks it up, whoever picks it up, it seems like it's going to be it's a really powerful way to to keep people aware of their consumption. And, you know, then I mean, that could be super powerful. Then all of a sudden you're you're able to sign an agreement. Hey, I agree that I, I pledge that I'm going to live at 20 percent of energy, blah, 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 consumption. And then you can all of a sudden measure it. It, There's power in having some numbers. What uh, what has your research showed you, Edward? How, How effective is the instrument at measuring?
11: So at measuring, what we've found is that there's kind of two ways to look at it. One is you know, what we call a factory calibration. Basically, you you buy this thing and then it just works out of the box. And two is a personal calibration. So say like you walk around a little bit in your house, and then turn a few things on, and we ask you. So what was that? Yeah. So do you calibrate it for us? Uh, with with the factory calibration, we get about eighty eighty five percent or so.
9: Mm-hmm.
11: Um, and with the personal calibration, it gets to be about ninety five percent accuracy. Wow. And what what we've been able to do is. Uh, characterize about 12 different things that we use pretty commonly, uh, things like stoves, microwaves, um, your TV, computers, cars, trains, uh, and a few others. I can't quite remember. Um, and so, with with a range of 12 things, we're able to achieve about 95%. Uh, what we imagine, though, is that we can actually uh, see a lot more. We 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 didn't just do the 12. We actually saw about like 30, 40 devices, types of devices. Um, including some planes. I actually took this on a, you know, a plane ride and saw hmm. some signal I like, oh, that's interesting. Couldn't quite convince my advisor to you know, pay for <laughs> enough flights to collect data. I yeah. so didn't quite include that in our uh, thing.
2: You um, know, so, it, yeah. that's, that's, I think, even a powerful idea, too, is if you could start aggregating kind of overall data and overall signals, and this is what yeah. – I mean, it might even be interesting to see do you end up consuming more energy on one airplane over another or one you know type of car over another? I think there's... Um, so what,
11: one of the interesting things here is that a lot of our... So it's not like we haven't done anything in you know, like tracking like activity and, and device use. It's really, right now, most of our sensing technologies for this is confined in your own home. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and we can sense what you use in your home, but the moment you leave your house, I can't see any of it. Yeah, um, because I'm not plugged in, right? And so you drive, you take the bus, you go to work at your office, uh, you take the plane. I mean, like all these things are suddenly blind to our technology right now blind to all these things because we we really look at our our use within the home. And so what this technology kind of does is, is pushing pushing the boundaries of, of that assumption to say, well that's not where we live all the time. I mean, yes, we live at your home, but but right. Outside yeah. of that, there's still a ton of your life that we don't see right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're out in the world, really, and we're taking it on. How do you see this um going forward? What what are your what are your, you know, your goals, your what are your dreams with this?
11: Well, my dream is that um I I think to to go with what you were saying with Making it faster or smaller, um, I, I think I, the first thing I want to see is it getting into a device um, out in the market because the sensing the the, magnet, mag, the magnetic sensor is fast enough, and then we can implement this. And then from there, I think there's a lot of interesting questions that could be asked um, from from both a practical standpoint of like, um, yeah, how how many how many buses are running. Um, that serves, you know, X number of people? Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of the questions that we can't answer right now with, you know, one of these devices, right? We can answer that with a deployment that is much larger. Uh, but two, I think, maybe because I, I'm from a research background, uh, I would really like to see researchers come up with new ideas on what we call persuasive technologies. And this is similar to what you were saying is, like, you know, if we can figure out, you know, Jimmy turned on the light too much, uh, we could then think about how we can have Jimmy do do that less. Mm. Basically persuade them. Right? People don't take the bus as often. How do we persuade them? Yeah. And I think being able to figure that out, um, is there's actually a lot of work to be done. Um, wow. it's, it's not just so much like, okay, well, we're just going to tell Jimmy that. Well, when do you tell Jimmy that? How do you tell Jimmy that? Um, and I think this technology opens the door for researchers to start looking at questions like that in a, in a deeper sense.
2: Hey, you know, I've learned something as a social psychologist. A lot of the research in social psychology uh, historically used to use electroshock stu- uh, you know, programs. So maybe what you do oh, is if, I, I see what you mean, if Jimmy doesn't turn the light off, you just <laughs> shock him. Oh, boy. And you just keep <laughs> shocking him until he turns the light off. I'm telling you. I mean, it, it's sure. It's not good for people. But Jimmy would learn to turn the light off. Oh, Edward, it's really cool stuff. And um, it, I, I think, too, I, I just love that, a, you know, a bunch of students, brilliant students, are figuring this out. And all of a sudden, I know, five years from now, it'll be in every watch, and there'll be really cool apps about in saving the environment, and you've saved the environment, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's awesome, just getting us awareness. And then, too, I love a lot of the health uh, ways that we could use it through the health uh, practice um, and protecting you know, those seniors that might forget to turn the oven off or the stove off and good stuff well we appreciate you Edward thanks again for the work uh, you're doing keep up the great work uh, and uh, I'll be looking for it on the Apple watch good stuff I mean man now all of a sudden big brother knows everything about me used to be bad just because it could track me down and find out where I was but now it can find out how much energy I'm using if it could actually figure out how I could get more physical energy for myself that would be a whole other ball game I just need more energy in my body and apparently a box of Twinkies isn't cutting it it's not bringing the energy I need we'll take a break my friends when we come back I've got to uh, I guess I'm just going to call it the stupid human trick I've got just a moment we've got to listen to of where you just need to let nature take its course. Let the bear do what bears do. Stick with us, folks. Some audio you will not believe. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see, uh, hopefully, the power of the human project. We'll be back. friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, however you feel about evolution, survival of the fittest, we've got an audio that may show you, um, I don't know, there's just a time where you got to let nature take its course. A bear came across a, a, a solo kayaker. Mary Maley, who was on a solo kayaking trip from Ketchikan to Petersburg, Alaska, and, uh, you know, was posted outside of uh, the U.S. Forest Service cabin in Berg Bay. And uh, she had just carried her tent, food, and gear into the cabin before she was going to go on a four-mile hike, I guess. So she just removed the food from her kayak and carried it up to the cabin. Well, she heard something outside while she was having her lunch, and she came out to find a bear, right? Um, And the bear started to approach her. And this is the beginning of I'm pretty sure not the best bear handling technique. Let's listen. She is the nicest victim of a bear uh, terroristic act on a kayak I've ever heard. She didn't even swear. That was – okay. It's a bear. It's a bear. It's doing what bears do. By the way, this is after the bear started getting curious about her and followed – she could smell the food she was out there eating. And – Holy cow. Gosh darn it. Oh, why are you doing that? Gosh darn it. You bear. She's talking to it like it's, um, like it's her child. Not like a ferocious wild animal that could kill her. And she even, and we didn't have the audio for that, but as the bear approached, she said, I'm going to spray you with pepper spray. She is so nice. I'm sure the bear feels really good about her.
9: It's not even food. It doesn't even taste good.
2: No, it's not even food, bear. It's plastic. It's it's a carcinogen. You ought not be eating that, bear. It's just plastic. She's obviously stressed, but, you know, maybe a really loud noise. You know? If she had a gun, don't know if she did. Maybe that's where you use a gun to just shoot a gun and the bear would run away. Why are you here? Or in that case, a bomb. She could just drop a bomb.
9: Why are you here? You're supposed to be asleep.
2: <laughs> You're supposed to be asleep. Hey, bear, did you not know it's sleepy time? Why aren't you hibernating? Holy cow. <gasps> now, this is a perfect example of where if we just let nature be nature, Mary would be dead. Because if you're going to talk to a bear that way... By the way, the bear destroyed the kayak.
9: Please stop breaking my things.
2: <laughs> She's very nice. Please. Stop breaking my things. Oh, wow. She ended up... The bear left. I think to probably go hibernate. Because he didn't know. What she doesn't know is there's like no bear deadline to hibernate. You know, when it's just ready, it's just going to go. She's like, I thought... You're
9: supposed to be asleep. Yeah.
2: Well, she... Had to then – she tried to call down – there was a sailboat out there in the the bay and she tried to get a hold of the people on the sailboat but she – they couldn't – she couldn't get a hold of them. So she had to swim in the cold water out to the sailboat. Ah! (laughs) Oh, it's just so funny. This is why, you know – you know, people laugh about all these hunters and the fishermen and all these outdoorsmen that have guns, but that would have been a good time to have a gun, not to shoot the bear. You don't need to kill the bear. Just fire the gun and scare the bear away. You could just scream. And she noticed what she used questions. Why are you eating my thing? What if the bear just said What am I gonna do? "What, What you're gonna do, lady, what if the bear just stood up and put his hands on his hips and like, Okay, what I want you to do is shut your cake hole. You're making too much noise and you're stressing me out. That's that's just funny. That's just funny. It's such a contrast. It just seems like she's a city slicker. Please stop Please, wild animal.
8: I think she's talking to you, Matt.
2: Is she? Is she talking to me? Yeah. Am I beating this dead horse? Please stop! Can't you just see like a mountain lion, rah, ripping? Please, why are you doing this? You're going to ruin my shirt. Gosh darn it. Oh, why are you doing that? Oh, I bet you she's such a lovely woman. She really is. I'm sure she's the she's the kind of woman. By the way, she's videotaping the whole thing. And you can see the bear walk up to her and she's like, I'm going to spray you with pepper spray like it's a warning. You kids, I'm going to get you. Anyway, she sprays the bear. She's lucky to be alive. She reminds me of you, Ben. Lovely person. That
8: time when the raccoon came in?
2: Yeah. Silly raccoon grabbing on my neck sticking it's your teeth <laughs> anyway great uh, great lessons for all of us there's a time to be nice there's a time to like plead and she used orders stop that she used questions she said please and thank you she would have said gosh instead of swearing i totally appreciate that there's just a point that it wasn't working he thrashed your Kayak, make a noise, scare the thing, just scare it, throw a rock at it. I didn't want to hurt it. Of course you didn't. You're just lucky to be alive. Well, Mary, we're glad you made it back. She made it back. Of course, the kayak, dead on arrival. Actually, dead on arrival to the shore hope we've all learned a lesson today you can be nice there's a time to be nice and there's a time to just make some noise we're done folks hour number two of the matt townsend show stick with us we got one more hour tools ideas information to help you see the good in the world
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your
1: guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU
1: Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to help you get the tools you need to live healthier, love stronger, Lead the people uh, in your life, and, and truly just be more effective, healthier, happier. Welcome to the program. we got a great show for you today. It's Friday. Thank heavens. It's Friday. And uh, hopefully you're planning and have a great a weekend prepared. This uh, is a hard day, though. Uh, tragedy. Another school shooting in Oregon. Again, I mean, you've heard the news. Oregon's uh, Umpqua Umqua. Community College uh, was the uh, site, the location of another mass shooting, 10 people killed in the campus shooting. One of those was the shooter. Uh, Again, out out of this story will come a lot of hero stories as well of some pretty amazing people that are willing to uh, go to pretty extreme lengths to save and help other people Again, our hearts, our prayers go out with those family members and just the whole community. It it, it seems like a a beautiful community um, that is now uh, devastated by this tragedy. Uh, Officials said Thursday that Chris Harper Mercer uh, is the name of the 26-year-old gunman who fatally shot nine people before he was killed in a firefight. He was also apparently wearing body armor. He had three handguns and an assault rifle when he stormed an Oregon's Oregon's Umpqua Community College campus. Authorities recovered the three pistols and one rifle at the scene, an official told CNN. Survivor Anastasia Boylan, 18, told her father that Mercer asked students to stand up if they were Christians before he shot them, CNN reports. After they stood up, he said, good, because you're Christian and you're going to see God in just about one second. That's what Boylan's father, Stacy told CNN of her account. So, again, we don't have all the details, uh, but it is a tragedy. And uh, President uh, Obama, not, not happy about it at all. Listen to his words.
3: As I said just a few months ago, and I said a few months before that, and I said each time we see one of these mass shootings, our thoughts and prayers are not enough. It's not enough. It does not capture the heartache and grief and anger that we should feel. And it does nothing to prevent this carnage from being inflicted someplace else in America. We don't yet know why this individual did what he did. And it's fair to say that anybody who does this has a sickness in their minds. But we are not the only country on Earth that has people with mental illnesses or want to do harm to other people. We are the only advanced country on Earth that sees these kinds of mass shootings every few months.
2: Yeah. So what do we do about it? And that's one of the challenges um, I think we should all be thinking about. We can all define the problem, and everyone's going to define it differently. But there's something going on here, right? I guess we could go right to the gun discussion and blame the guns. I guess we could go right to the mental health issues and talk about the fact that we still... Don't have a clue what we're doing with mental health and, and the community. Um, I guess we could talk about the fact that we we have certain people that feel so ostracized from the community that they 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 take on activities like this. We could talk about um, the the privacy that comes with the th- you know the threat of having your mental health records evaluated in order to be able to get a gun. So there's a lot of issues, and again, this is the crazy, chaotic issue that has to be solved, and you're not going to solve it as we've talked about on the show throughout uh, today's show. You're not going to solve it by just having a simplistic answer. This needs a complex solution, and we need some serious leadership right now to make something happen with this, or we can just predict another mass shooting you know, three or four months down the road tragedy tragedy our prayers go out again to those in Oregon to the family members just to the community this is a big deal if you um didn't listen to our first hour of the show go find us on iTunes or tune in check out our podcast go to byuradio.org I spent about 30 minutes talking about how you should talk to your children if they start bringing up fear and anxiety and frustration and And if they bring up the shooting, there's some great information that we talked about for how you could talk to your children about this tragedy. Um, So go find that in our archives. But uh, we are going to now go talk and hear actually from Kathy Aiken and find out uh, a week in review. See what's happened this week.
4: Everyone, the government is up and running after Congress passed a temporary spending measure Wednesday night and President Obama signed it. That means the government will continue to run at least through December 11th. A new government report released on Wednesday said dozens of U.S. Secret Service employees improperly accessed a job application by U.S. Congressman Jason Chaffetz. The application was for a job with the Secret Service 12 years ago, and the information was viewed by at least 45 employees. The idea was to embarrass the congressman because of his investigation into scandals inside the agency.
5: Digesting it, uh, shocked and surprised. It's a bit scary. If they if they would do this to me, I just shudder to think what they might be doing to other people.
4: Releasing the information may represent criminal violations under the U.S. Privacy Act. Pope Francis ended his visit to the U.S. on Sunday night, urging hundreds of thousands gathered for mass in Philadelphia to be open to the miracles of love. During his visit, the Pope met with five victims of clerical sexual abuse and warned bishops they'll be held accountable if they don't protect their flocks.
6: I commit to a careful
0: oversight
1: to ensure that youth are protected
6: and that all responsible will be held accountable.
4: While in the U.S., the Pope also spoke on climate change, immigration, religious freedom, and the family. On Wednesday, Russian troops used airstrikes in Syria hours after the nation's parliament gave Putin approval. Russia claimed its warplanes bombed Islamic State positions in Syria, but a senior U.S. defense official says the strikes are actually hitting the Free Syrian Army and other forces that are fighting against Bashar al-Assad. The bombings continued into a second day yesterday with Iranian fighters in the country to aid the Russian forces. A new Fox News poll shows Hillary Clinton's personal favorable ratings have hit a new low. Just 38 percent of voters view Clinton favorably. That's down from 45 percent in May part of the reason for her dropping poll numbers is her ongoing email controversy but the democratic frontrunner
7: said she's cooperating uh, i can't predict to you what the republicans will come up with what kind of you know charges or claims they might make i have no control over that I can only do the best I can to try to respond. The Justice Department has the emails. They have the server. They're conducting a security inquiry. They will take whatever necessary steps are required to get this matter resolved.
4: On the GOP side, Ben Carson's favorability is up 20 percent to 46 percent. That's the highest number among Republicans. Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards was in the hot seat on Tuesday at a House oversight hearing. Richards says her organization does not profit from selling fetal tissue.
0: Well, you need federal
4: dollars you're making a ton of dough we don't make any profit off of federal money conservatives are trying to defund the organization after videos were released of their employees purportedly negotiating the sale of fetal tissue for profit late tuesday night georgia executed kelly Gissendanner by lethal injection georgia's only woman on death row and the first woman to be executed there in 70 years Gissendanner was convicted for conspiring with her boyfriend to have her husband killed back in 1997 The execution took place despite several last-minute appeals, including a plea from Pope Francis. Speaking of the Pope, he reportedly had a secret meeting with Kentucky County Clerk Kim Davis during his visit.
6: The meeting uh, came, you know, from the the Vatican itself. Pope Francis uh, had been uh, following the story of Kim Davis and obviously is very concerned about religious liberty, not just in the United States, but worldwide.
4: That was Davis's attorney, Matt Staver. That meeting reportedly took place at the Vatican Embassy in Washington. Joyce Mitchell, the woman who confessed to helping two men escape from an upstate New York prison, was sentenced on Monday. She was sentenced up to seven years in prison for giving hacksaw blades and other tools to help Richard Matt and David Sweat. German prosecutors have opened a criminal probe into former Volkswagen CEO Martin Winterkorn. This coming after the automaker's recent admission, it installed software in its diesel cars to cheat emissions tests on 11 million vehicles. With the Week in Review, I'm Kathy Aiken.
2: Well done, Kathy, and what a week it has been. It is Friday, though, and on Fridays we like to uh, get you ready for the weekend. What better way to do that than to do a little uh, movie review with one of our great uh, movie critics, Rod Gustafson. We're going to take a break. Rod is in studio with us and uh, representing, of course, parentpreviews.com. When he comes back, he'll be reviewing The Martian. I hear it's a, it's a great flick. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back friends to the Matt Townsend show. Hey, uh, special treat today. We we every Friday we talk with Rod Gustafson from parentpreviews.com,
12: but today he's in studio. Normally we have to talk to you over Skype. Here I am, Matt. And Matt in the bo- in the flesh. Wow, you know they told me you were handsome. Oh man. But, but you know in 3D. I know Isn't that weird. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting. That's that cuz I in- did my makeup, by yeah. the way. <laughs> And I I forgot to pack mine. (laughs) And it's interesting that you're in 3D today because we have two 3D movies.
2: Now talk about these movies because uh, one of them I just hear rave reviews about. I won't tell you which one, but I know you want to talk about uh, two different movies where do you want to start? Well, let's start with
12: The Martian. Okay. I think that's yeah. the one that's going to that's, really have the buzz today. That's what everyone's talking going about. going to be a big one. And, and this is this year's big space epic. And I shouldn't say this year because, you know, there was space movies were kind of falling out of favor for a long right. time there. But last year with Interstellar, that, of course, drew a lot of attention. But this one, in my opinion, is much, much better is than it? Interstellar. Yeah. Really interesting film. This, of course, is a story if anybody who's watched the trailers, and so many people already have now. It's a story about a crew, a NASA crew, sometime in the future. They're working on Mars. Things are going just a great and then all of a sudden, this humongous storm comes up, and they have to evacuate. So the the woman who's in charge of the mission, uh, played by Jessica Chastain in a wonderful role, she says, "Okay, we need to abort everybody on the on this." And they've got this rocket ship, and the problem is the wind is blowing so hard it's starting to blow the, oh. the rocket over. So the, everybody needs to get on board. Well, in transferring from their Kind of living area, this pod thing that they live in, and they're outside, and the wind is pelting them. One of them gets hit by, gets hit by a, a piece of equipment and he gets tossed off into the middle of nowhere and mm. they can't see where he is. And his telemetering system, his life support system is indicating that he's dead. So they have to make the very difficult decision of, okay, leave his body behind to rescue the rest of the crew. They take off. Well, guess what? He's still oh, alive. No so, yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story. It is actually. It's a, it's a very interesting story. It's, and Matt Damon plays that astronaut. His name is Mark Watney, the character's name. And uh, this is a little bit, do you remember Mm Castaway with Tom Hanks years ago? A little bit like that situation. And what's always interesting in the movies is when you have the lone guy who's isolated and it's it's the deserted island type of story. And how is he going to communicate? Well, in this movie... He continues to make this video journal of everything that's happening to him, which is the the creative way that the screenwriters figured out of how to avoid creating a mainly a silent movie. Man. Yeah. You know what? He doesn't happen to have a, um, a volleyball named Wilson, does he? No. No volleyball named Wilson. Yes, yes. I was waiting for that, too. I was wondering if there would be an object or something yeah. that would become, but no. But this is what is interesting about this movie and I guess depending on, on your spiritual perspective, some people are getting very tired of our worshipping of science. Mm. Everything is about science. right? And so this one presents some very interesting debate about that, because this is very much a movie where science and technology save the day. And if you remember the film Apollo 13, oh, yeah. again, Tom Loves Hanks, that. once yeah. again, yeah. And it's all my favorite line from Apollo, Techni- from Apollo 13 is, work the problem, people, let's mm-hmm. work the problem. I use that in my head all the time. And that exact line is in this movie, too. And and this is really a movie about the human spirit's ability to adapt and use oh, our creative potential to be able to get through insurmountable odds. And what is neat about this movie, I mean, I'm no scientist, especially I'm not an orbital scientist, but what is cool about it is you think, yeah, I could see how that could happen. Yeah. And so that you know, that makes How? for a really good sci-fi. So,
2: so it feels, and, and they're, they're getting, it's getting some pretty good reviews too, it
12: seems mm-hmm. like. Yes, yeah. It is getting quite positive reviews, and, and I'm not surprised. It seems like what very What did you guys get it? So we gave it an A-, an A-, uh, the biggest issue that we have with it is this particular astronaut, Mark Watney, has a little bit of a temper, and when things go wrong, he swears up a storm. Now, mm. this is a PG-13 rated movie, yeah. and apparent previews, we call it the sexual. Well, expletive, but I think everybody right. knows the big bad four-letter word we're talking about. Usually you can only have one of those in a PG-13 movie. Well, this one has two that are verbalized and then many more where we see him silently mouth the word, where it's printed, um, mm. where we see the yeah. first letter and three dashes on the computer screen and that type of thing. So a fair amount of language in it, even though the language is sporadic, it's not wall-to-wall profanities, mm-hmm. but we have moments when things are going wrong, and he does that. We also have a couple of moments, too, where we get to see Matt Damon from the rear, shall we say. Oh, interesting. It, he comes out of the shower. But it's not yeah. very often, though, that nudity in a movie actually fulfills a purpose. And in this case, it does. We see just how thin he is getting, and his his skin oh, is really starting yeah, to get that. all of these sores and stuff on it. And so it's not pretty.
2: Is, um, is this a, a movie for kids, teens? What well, age? I
12: would think teens. You know, once again, heed the PG-13. Rating. Yeah. I really think that that's Stick a good idea. Yeah, and I think that teens and parents can enjoy this movie if you're willing to overlook the language. If that type of language bothers you, then unfortunately, this isn't going to be a movie that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. But otherwise, it's a it's a fantastic film. It's it's quite cool. Um, and another
2: film you wanted to talk about was The Walk, mm-hmm. which uh, didn't that,
12: when did that come out? So The Walk released on IMAX screens on Wednesday okay. of this week. They're experimenting with this map. This is the Thing the Hollywood's starting to do this year, where they're pre-releasing on IMAX, where you pay extra money to yeah. go see the movie, and then it comes out to the regular. By the way, and three three I didn't ask after. you would it
2: be would it be better to see this uh, to see The Martian on a big screen?
12: Yeah, it really works well. Of course, they screen it for us on the big yeah. screen because we want they want us to get excited about it. And by the way, The Martian in 3D and the 3D effects, especially when they're out in space and all of that, work quite Amazing. well. But The Walk as well. Now The Walk's an interesting film. If you've ever been to a big amusement park like Three Flats. Or Disneyland, yeah. and you know, you're in the lineup forever to get on the coaster, and the ride on the coaster lasts a few minutes, right. and then you get in another lineup for an hour. Well, the walk is a little bit like that. The first two thirds of the movie are all about Philippe Petit, and this is a, a true story about the guy that strung that steel cable between right. the twin towers of the World Trade Center and did a high wire walk, 110 stories. And so the first two-thirds of the movie are all about him. So you're watching this in an IMAX screen in 3D thinking, well, this is a (laughs) biography— But then in the last third is when he does this walk. And of course this is all computer generated, but it is amazing. And about ten minutes in I reached over to hold my wife's hand just to be the affectionate husband I am. And it was like hanging on to a wet fish. I couldn't (laughs) believe it like she was really (laughs) sweating. And it really is. It's a very, very engaging film. I have said this very rarely, but this one is worth spending a few extra dollars for the 3D glasses. Really? Yeah, yeah it really is. No. Oh, wow. So an interesting point for parents that we have 60 seconds. Yeah, we, know, we totally do. Yeah. Okay, great. This is a PG movie, which is very unusual yeah. for a live-action PG movie. But what's even stranger, and I'm not sure what was happening at the MPAA when they rated this movie, we have a scene of uh, recreational drug use, in other words, smoking uh, marijuana, right. And it's in a comedic context, no consequences whatsoever. Usually, that gets an R rating, or at least a PG-13. Oh, so that's so parents by. need to have a heads up on this one, that they've got that in there. Okay. And there's another scene of rear male nudity in this movie yeah. as well, and, uh, which sometimes can fall into a PG. It used to years ago, but usually now that's in a PG-13. So mm. even though it's a PG movie, again, parents, um, uh, this one, they're saying it's good for 8 to 80. That's what the studio is saying. I'd say maybe 14 to 80. I, okay. And I think young children, It is there are some really serious moments of peril in this film. I mean, it's a true story. We know he did it successfully, so right. you have to keep reminding yourself of that. But it could still be scary for kids. Man, so
2: it's, it's, an, it's, it's what an interesting movie because if it's going to be about an hour of di- or the preparation for the big walk mm-hmm. – are the, are, is it going to keep the attention for that hour of the 14 Well, and
12: that, that is really, I think, the biggest problem with the film. And along with that, Matt, the other thing from our parent previews perspective that is a concern about this movie is, of course, what he did was completely illegal. Right. I mean, today, uh, you know, he would have probably been up on federal charges with our concerns right. about, you know, terrorism and that type of thing. But even then, he was trespassing. One of the towers had been completed. The other one was still under construction. But he broke many, many laws to try and pull this off. But the first, the, that first two thirds of the movie is all about this man who feels like it doesn't matter what your dream is, you need to pursue it and you need to reach it. And of course, the question is even if it's illegal? Mm-hmm. And now. Right. We're saying, you know, well, we, the, the community at large is saying, well, isn't this amazing what this man did? But, you know, if he would have had a tragic end, if he would have fallen from that, he could have put, obviously, his life would have been over. He could have put other people's lives at risk. There were police officers up mm-hmm. there trying to get him off the wire who are hanging off the edge of the building. So it, it does have a happy ending, but it very possibly could not have. And as a message that's coming out to young people. People. You know, we need to. I think parents need to be careful that they modulate that message and explain that, you know, what things are worth taking yeah. these risks oh, for. Yeah. And should we be breaking? any law that's in front of us just so we can pursue our dream is very narcissistic in that regard I, I agree and i think that's a great discussion you can have that's what's great about parent preview
2: if you also help us guide us a little bit on the discussion we could have
12: yeah and in some ways matt what really i believe has an effect on young people in the media is, I mean, the sex and violence is a concern, but that's yeah. usually the hot button that most parents reach for. But it's really the messages that are embedded in these movies. And so many films today have this narcissistic, you can be whatever you want to right. be message, and you are special. And and The Walk, as good of a movie as it is, that really is the overriding message. Is He felt like he was the most important person in the world. And he needed to do this mm. walk. And you know, that's the that's a message that we need to be careful about in repeating that over yeah. and over to our young people. Oh, I'm
2: glad. I'm glad you bring that up. And um it's it's really is it's an important point. Again, parentpreviews.com. dot com, that's the website. go check it out and see all the great work that Rod and the their people do to get you informed like this. Two good movies, you got a great mm-hmm. weekend coming up, The Walk and The Martian. And you're in town to just get your son here.
12: Well, what a yeah. great dad. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Ten-and-a-half-hour drive yesterday and a half hour drive,
12: at least it, it was beautiful scenery until the sun went down. That's right. oh yes. then it got ugly. But these, we don't have 80-mile-an-hour speed limits in Canada. So it, yeah. it, it, it is kind of fun, you know, watching, getting the speedometer up there Opening where it usually it up a doesn't a bit, go. Yes. It? Oh, you're good.
2: Rod <laughs> Gustafson, drive safely, please. Good stuff, folks. Uh, again, go check out the website, parentpreviews.com. Tons of wonderful resources there. For you and your family to make sure that uh, your movie viewing is, is healthy and, uh, and as productive as it can be. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with some of my producers. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are playing Meet the Producers. This is where some of our great producers that uh, support, that lift up, that are the structure that create the Matt Townsend Show. We like to have them on the show, and I want them to come on the show, A, so you get to know how great they are, but B, I want them to try to educate me, me, to teach me, Stuff I don't know, especially from their generation. We also like to play games here and there. Joining us, Caitlin Thomas, Liana Tan, two of the greatest among us. Hello, ladies.
13: Hello. That
2: was beautiful.
13: We're in unison. To hear that?
2: Uh, by the way, you are the only producers that come in here when they hear the show music. You're the only two that dance. Oh, really? Well, you dance, Caitlin. You're a dancer. I do dance. And Liana just kind of...
10: I bob.
13: You she know?
2: bobs, moves her head in awkward ways. We just like to keep
10: things spicy. But
2: it's it's spicy is the word. By the way, when you walked in the studio, you're like, man, it smells weird in here.
10: Yeah, we were trying to give you the hint from last week. Remember the
2: last year in a segment you told us? Yeah, it's spicy. It's because I had spice. I have old spice on is what it is. Hey, what are we going to do today? What are you going to teach me?
13: Today, Matt, we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between media in your time and the differences in media in our time.
2: Well, we didn't have media in my time. Yeah, you had... My time is I'm 40... Six years old.
10: Wow, you're getting up there. Wow. Thank you for
2: sharing. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking you'd be like, I thought it was oh, gonna be an eternal old.
10: guess of how old you
13: are. No,
2: I'm forty six. And so media between my time and media versus your time. Great, this will be fun. Teach me.
13: So well what I was thinking about, because me and Liana are both communications journalism majors. Right. And so now when we go into classes, instead of doing, you know, journalism print yes. and studying how to write articles, we study how to write tweets that are interesting.
2: Yeah, you done tweet.
13: Yeah. So it's a lot different. And it says that I found an article on the internet. Okay. On the internet. The good old Google. Yes. Media, and it says media of previous generations may have referred to newspapers, magazines, and books. While yes. today's media includes an, ex- an explosion of online global networking systems, for example, Twitter, Facebook, Bebo, and
2: YouTube, as so well as true. music
13: culture that has moved beyond musical exchange to include the marketing and selling of culture, lifestyle, mm-hmm. and products. Mm-hmm.
2: Totally true. So I mean, when I was a journalist student, I would go get Newsweek magazine, and that was a core tool. You would get your newspapers, your Newsweek, Time. You know, you'd get you'd get stuff like that,
13: right? And and when you were in school studying for this, Matt, I'm, you would learn how to print in a newspaper, how to right. produce an article that would be printed in such. Uh-huh. So
2: we, we focused a lot on writing.
13: Mm-hmm.
2: We focused a lot on, you know, your argument. That you're making mm-hmm. your, in your article.
13: And we still focus a little bit on that in not our classes. Not really. No. But we focus, it's a little bit more pop culture centered. So we try and find stories that are not only going to be informative, but are going to produce readers that we're going to be able to get people to you come see, in and buy right? our product. So we're essentially, we still have to now sell a product because print and all of these things are going out with the internet
2: coming
10: in.
13: Well,
2: doesn't that just mean you always have to write about a Kardashian? No. Because the Kardashian, they move papers.
13: Well, it says here in this yeah. article that popular or pop culture is actually a challenging term to define because mm-hmm. writing a book about popular culture is an even trickier proposition given that culture is constantly changing and renders what was true. once popular soon to be outdated totally and perhaps true. quaint. So yeah. so essentially it's we have to find stories that are going to be relevant to the readers that we're trying to sell to. Yes.
2: Okay. And it, true. a lot
13: of that does include the Kardashians, but it doesn't always have to. Well,
2: you weren't even alive. Were you guys alive during Clinton's problem?
10: Clinton. Bill I Clinton, he was who a president. Yes, He's I was alive.
2: President. You were alive. It was sixteen. Yeah, you were alive. We you were, were both alive. <laughs> alive. But it we was almost twenty three, man. <laughs> but here's the thing but that whole story was broke the the story broke in with by Matt Drudge in the Drudge Report, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Which was – had hardly ever been heard of back then. I mean it was just brand new. But this non-New York Times, non-New York Post, not Washington Times, none of those, not Wall Street Journal, none of those were in on this. Some dude with a blog (laughs) blew up Hillary – or Bill Clinton and Hillary's life. And the scandal, right? And the scandal began. That happened when I was a journalist. Wow. Wow. So you were
13: actually the beginning, and now we are suffering the consequences. Well, now you we have, have to taken this – like now
2: everything you're saying is about having mm-hmm. a blog and a podcast yep. and all of these other tools and Twitter and Facebook and all these things.
10: And yeah. I think that those things create a culture. The media, celebrities, all of that creates a culture for us. and it's so huge. We want to see if – that culture translates over generations. Okay, let's test
2: this. So,
10: oh. so now we're going to play a little game. Okay, let's play a game. And how this works is it's it's catchphrase. I don't know if you've played it, but we're going to describe a word terminology from our day, yeah, and it, you're going to try to guess as many yes, as you can. But you can't
2: use the word. Right. Exactly.
10: Right. And you can pass if you don't know. Okay, okay. 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 Yeah. So you really only have about ten seconds per word because
13: we got to get this thing around.
2: Okay. A wrap. Yeah, sure. Sure. Let's do this.
0: Go okay. on a
10: go. Ready? Okay. This is a an. Internet website that people use nowadays for their media and...
2: App. No.
10: No. no. And, it's an internet website. Uh, a lot of... S- a s- you can get news from it. Huffington Post. Okay, it sounds like a bee, but the sound of the bee makes...
2: BuzzFeed.
10: Yes. yes. Pass.
13: This is what you do on Tinder if you're interested in someone.
2: You swipe.
10: But which what
13: Sway. direction?
2: You swipe. I have Ooh. no idea. Right.
10: There you ah! go. Okay. Uh, This is a couple that is really popular. The girl is a humanitarian, but she's also on a lot of movies, really pretty. And uh, the boy is also a very, like, sex icon. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. And there was an infidelity. And it's a couple's uh, name. Pitt. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. What is their couple celebrity name? Brad Jolie.
10: Uh, Close
13: Close enough. And Pitt. (laughs) Brangelina.
2: Brangelina Jolie Pitt. This is
13: a term that our generation likes to use when we are both hungry and angry at the same
2: time. Uh, That is called, um, I'm... Hangry.
13: Ah, Ooh. very good. Okay, See, these are so easy. Matt, you're pretty ah. good. I mean? Can I
2: do some? Hey. I want. Can I do okay. some?
13: Matt, you yeah. want to do some?
2: I want to do us. some from my generation. Try us. Okay.
13: I don't know how good we're gonna okay.
2: Be. These. Um. Oh, this is gonna be so fun. I gotta get ready here. Okay. Um. This is what you do to get in shape.
10: Work out.
2: <laughs> this is what you Run. do. You're getting swole. To. <laughs> no. This is what Eat you do. This is what you This is from my generation. Oh. This is what you do. Lift
10: rocks. You do Cavemen. It, you do
2: it on TV. You do it on PBS. Oh, you do it at three oh, different like, levels. Um, three what? different stages. You do it um, with Ted Turner's wife.
10: I don't know. Is it like the dance movies? The, it's kind of, the aerobics. Aerobics. Yes. yes. Aerobics. <laughs> so you're
9: like,
2: what are you good that talking is?
9: about?
2: Okay. Here's another one. Um, this is... This is the method of of um storing information. This is Filing? this is fossils. this is how you not fossils. This is how you capture a um a movie. This is how you would transfer Pictures. the movie. This is how you would um how Hollywood would disseminate VGHS. their movies.
13: What are you talking about? And you
2: would go to a store, and you'd pick up the movie, R2-D3. and you would then take it home to this Blockbuster, thing. Blockbuster.
13: Blockbuster, Hollywood video. V- VCR. Yes,
2: VCR. You
13: are not very good at this game. I've given you so everything. You guys don't so understand. Okay, this is going to be harder.
2: This you got to give short descriptions. Um, heat. Warm. Um, Fire. Dancing. Um, okay, you're too aerobics. short now. What? <laughs> um. Sweat. Women.
10: Women? Dirty dancing.
2: Um, Appendages on their body. Footloose? Footloose? In Footloose, these were there. Women? (laughs) Uh, Apparel.
13: The cowboy
2: boots? Worn by dancers and aerobic. Leg warmers? Yes.
10: Ah, nice.
2: (laughs) Leg warmers. Um, Okay, so I think let's just review what we've learned. Did, did we, did, I think if you notice, my generation understands your generation much better I than your generation. I think our generation
10: is better at communicating and describing.
2: Um, I think that's rude. You're
10: using caveman terms for us. You have to come up caveman
2: with Caveman terms are <laughs> my, use, terms. See, the my terms. That is my generation. the terms that we're giving
10: you are is the terms
13: generation? that we have to now use and incorporate when we're writing articles and into um, our media. We have to use things like... YOLO and I know what all that means, hangry, and, and all of these different hangry. things because the media we have a different culture now, and so we're just adapting the media to the culture in which we I live. Agree.
2: in. And let's just agree to this you're strange, you're your generations.
10: I would just like to point out that you raised us, so uh,
2: yeah. geez.
10: we're only strange because of our examples.
2: It's so true, yeah. And you're beautiful, and you're wonderful, yeah. and you're loved.
10: Thank <sighs> you, that makes everything better,
2: yeah. And we're out of here. Well done, you two. We, uh, we're going to take a break. Bye-bye. Leave our great producers. The, you really are. You did a great job. Liana, thank Caitlin, you knocked you. it. We're going to go uh, take a break, come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is the music that we play when Spencer and Jerem run the two blocks from BYU Broadcasting down to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where we're going to join our good buddies for BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, funny story about that, Matt. What?
5: We did not run. Oh. We probably should have. Yeah. Because I just got pulled over by a Toyota Corolla. University parking oh. police officer. What the BYU police chief? What did he do? Not
2: much. Did he frisk well, yet? Yeah? Did he? Moved, we moved
5: the gate. We moved. Yeah, Jared moved the barrier. <laughs> we were broadcasting live on a Periscope as well uh-huh. while this is happening. Then this Corolla, like it's super close and aggressive behind me, and I'm like, "Is this a cop?" <laughs> flips on his lights, and the Corolla comes up and is like, "This is a blocked parking lot." If you couldn't tell. And I'm like, oh, we're actually doing a show live at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in 24 minutes. We can't find anywhere to park. We usually <laughs> park like, here he for spent games. He's Linton.
1: He can go wherever he
2: wants. Do you not know who you're talking to? Well,
5: then he said, he's like, but he kept like the straight face. So I'm like, where would you like us to park if we can't park here? And he's like, maybe you should just stay here. Mm. Uh, okay. Okay. Cop, cop uh, humor, man. Thanks. No, we appreciate that Thanks, Officer. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you, sir. He, the so chief he, of the university police. The BYU Fuzz let us in. You know? Oh my
2: heavens. You're lucky. When they I got I got taste. <laughs> When I did that, <laughs> no, you did. I did. Hurt. Oh, Have you guys been tased lately? Same
5: what? guy. Was he, lately? was he in a Corolla? Yeah,
2: he was, was in he a Corolla. Corolla, right?
5: <laughs>
1: no. I, hey, that's, that guy's my homeboy.
2: I don't know what his he's name. Your is, he's your buddy. he was
5: very cool. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. very cool. I just was a little bit. I was like, "Are you are you serious about us staying are, here?" But he was officer.
2: Serious. He yeah. knew who you were. Eventually, it dawned on him. Okay, I've got a question for you. Yes. What do you do if a if a bear is eating your kayak? We have a lady, a story about a lady that was in a kayak, you know, doctor kayak, whatever she did, whatever she did. She took all of her gear out of it, went to a cabin, came out, and a bear was starting to eat her, uh, she, she was starting to eat her kayak. And this is what she Stop did. Stop it, bear! Keep going. I want, I want to hear, this is, this is what she did, and I want to hear what you guys think she should have said. There is a oh! real bear eating her kayak. Bear,
9: stop that. What in the please
1: world is that, is that Ralph Wiggum?
2: It's not even food. Stop it, it bear!
1: Even Go be banana. Banana. <laughs> it's, it's just plastic!
2: She's trying to bear, talk the bear out of bear. eating it. So what should she do? I need Well
5: first of all, what happened?
2: The the bear ate her kayak in the end.
5: I, okay, but like was she okay?
2: Oh yeah. She's fine. She just was trying to annoy him to death.
5: Well, she did a really good job of it. That she was she actually she was sprayed him with pepper
2: spray, and then That's smart. And then he went back with the pepper spray, and he started eating her kayak. And for about three minutes, she tried to dissuade him from eating her kayak. <laughs> now she, I mean, she should <laughs> have thrown something. Pretty rational, yeah. You
1: know, yeah. Well, no, she she used argument. she's
2: like pleading with them, and she it's didn't it's she didn't plastic. swear. She, <laughs> it's plastic. It's you don't want to eat it. So yeah. I want to know, what should she have done?
5: I think she did the right thing spraying the bear with pepper spray. Yeah. But the, are we having a serious conversation Are you really? T- yeah, I okay. Can't. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> she should have. We've decided she should have fired a gun in the air.
5: Why are you? Does she have a gun?
2: We don't know.
1: That's in a real video,
5: right?
2: It's a real video, I promise. Go look it up. Where
5: is this? Is this on YouTube? Uh-huh, yeah. In Alaska or it'll, something? Yep, or it'll
2: change your life. Montana? Hey, is somebody vacuuming the carpet behind you?
1: Yeah. They're blowing They're... the leaves off of the field. Okay. Hey, uh... Evidence is a fall is, shall not be on the field.
2: Is there anything going on tonight or anything? No. What What? what are you guys doing on your show? some
1: high school football games. Okay. Oh, is that what you're going to do? BYU-Connecticut.
2: Oh, yeah. The
1: pre-game shows at 9 Eastern mm. tonight. And then the game's on ESPN, too. BYU trying to bounce back after 31 uh, nothing loss to Michigan. Come home. Now, weather will play a factor here tonight. In fact, it's very cloudy out here. Yeah. Uh, what is it, 30% chance of rain? 35% High
5: tonight. Humid. 75% humidity.
1: Yeah. BYU with some injuries. We'll see who goes, who doesn't. Uh, the running backs in question might play some... Young cast of characters, as we mentioned earlier this week. The receivers have something to prove after last week's yes. game. Yes. Everyone does. Uh, the BYU defense, a little banged up as well. But uh, UConn, UConn is not Michigan, UCLA, you know, Nebraska, or Boise State. That's for sure. Right. But you got to come in here and win. BYU lost a game like this one uh, last year, which was Nevada. Uh, oh, that's Jeff right. On the road was I tough. remember that. Um, but Nevada even Nevada better than UConn, but it's that right. same type of game where okay, you're in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, you feel like you should win. That's this game tonight. It, I would, it, I, I, I never again like the Utah State game last year. will say, yep, BYU will win this game. There's no shot the other team wins.
2: Yeah, this is. It'll feel good to play at home though, too, right? I mean, this is they've this, had a hard month. This is
5: only the second game at home. Yeah, and yesterday when I talked to a few of the players in Bronco Mendenhall. One of the big points of emphasis this week has been we want to sp- to be and stay undefeated at home this season. We need to win every game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah. So it starts tonight, game number
1: two with UConn, late start.
2: This is I, great. I think
1: BYU is going to roll. I yeah. think they're going to play a, a really good game tonight, and people will feel good about this team again. Man,
2: they we need it right now. That will be a big pick-me-up, and then, you know. Watch out for bears. That's the two things that are the takeaways. Stop eating my canoe. <laughs> Stop it, bear. Stop it, bear. It's totally sad.
5: <laughs> it really is. Like I feel bad for her. No,
2: she's a wonderful lady, and you can tell she like she didn't swear. She said Wait, hold on. Gosh.
1: Hold on. Who's recording that video?
2: Um, no, that's it's real. She's recording it.
1: She recorded it, it yeah. instead of fending off a bear.
2: Right.
5: Okay, there, therein lies your problem. That's
2: exactly right.
5: What yep. should she have done? Not recorded that. She's
2: holding her phone. I mean, I, it she a periscope, and she was. That's probably why she was. She was <laughs> periscoping it,
1: it. Send in your questions. Stop it
2: there. <laughs> she said, "Please, please," and then she said, "It's September. Why are you even here?
5: You're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> Is that even true? Like I, when? When are bears technically supposed to be asleep?
2: Well, according to the Bear Union." Yeah. They're supposed to be asleep by October 1st.
5: Oh, according to the union The
2: union <laughs> You know how the bears are with their unions. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Anyway, check it out on the oh, video. Okay. Anyway, have a great show, guys. Knock them dead. Watch out for the guy blowing leaves. Um, good stuff. Boy. Yeah, I think I surprised him with the bear stuff. You know, you think it's bad with a bear? Check this out. A man was attacked, he said in downtown Madison, Wisconsin, Friday night, and he said he was assaulted, he thought, by a hippopotamus.
9: Stop it, Bear!
2: (laughs) Stop it, hippopotamus. Police said the 25-year-old man was knocked unconscious during an attack. A witness told police another man was throwing punches and continued hitting the victim after he was down. The injured man was intoxicated and didn't know what happened. According to police, he suffered a, uh, some broken teeth and he needed sutures to close his head. Obviously, he had a head injury because I'm pretty sure there isn't a, a, a hippopotamus running around Madison, Wisconsin. If any of you do happen to see a hippo, let us know. 855-CHAT-BYU. We'd like to have an update on that. Um, when in doubt... Just shout it out. Stop it, Bear, or stop it, Hippopotamus. Did you hear about uh, this uh, really industrious man from New York City? Makes $1,000 a week waiting in line for people. A New York entrepreneur said he makes up to $1,000 a week by offering simple service, waiting in long lines. What a nice guy. Robert Samuel, founder of the business Same Old Line Dudes, Same Old Line Dudes, said he makes up to $1,000 a week holding a place in line for product releases, sample sales, Broadway shows, Saturday Night Live tickets, and other events. Samuel said he and his team of professional waiters charge $25 for the first hour per line sitter, and they each charge $10 for each additional half hour. He told Salon he recently made $1,000 by waiting 48 hours outside the Apple store in... um, in the meatpacking district for a customer seeking an iPhone 6S. It's like Uber for line waiting. <laughs> That's a pretty cool uh, little job if you think about it. And did you hear about uh, the uh, fan? Do you remember the fan a few, uh, what was it, about a year ago that ESPN caught napping during a game in 2014? Well, he signed, a 27-year-old New Yorker fan, he signed um, a $10 million defamation lawsuit. He uh, He had... He had He had filed a defamation lawsuit because ESPN was... They were making fun of the guy that was sleeping. (laughs) Ben, wake up, brother. (laughs) Anyway, apparently uh, the court, the judge just threw out the... Threw out the case. Not even a second-row seat and a matchup with the hated Boston Red Sox could keep used-car salesman Andrew Rector awake during that game. His fourth inning doze was, broad, was broadcast on ESPN and then lightly commented on by the announcers. Anyway, according to the Smoking Gun reports, there was uh, one major problem with Rector's lawsuit. The insults he attributed to the announcers actually came from the online comment section where he was called things like a fatty cow and socially bankrupt. So none of that was actually said by the broadcasters, which is why you got to pay attention to what you're saying. So. You know, be careful. If you're going to sleep through a game, people can shoot you and, you know, put you on ESPN. Finally, we always like to wrap up the show and the week with a hero story, and we've got a great one for you today. Provo woman Delene Grassmick, she's a soup kitchen worker. She is our hero of the day. Every Friday, Delene Grassmick checks the fridge at the Food and Care Coalition to get ideas of what she'll be able to make the following weekend. As the organization's weekend cook, she generally counts on feeding 100 to 120 people each meal. Since GrassMix started 23 years ago, she's looked for a pattern to know how much to make. She said she hasn't found one yet. Still, she says there's she's never sent anyone away hungry. If the kitchen runs out of the day's menu items, she has a backup plan, already prepared sack lunches. If those run out, she'll go back to the kitchen and emerge with a loaf of bread and a can of tuna. Grassmix strives to make a well-balanced meal that's visually appealing, though she's sometimes limited with uh, donated ingredients. Over the years, she's seen clams, escargot, alligator meat, and king-sized salmon waiting for her in the icebox. Still, a home-cooked meal is about the closest thing to home her clients can get, she said. So she, she does everything she can to make it happen. Hands down, their favorite dishes are baked potatoes and meatloaf. Grasmick is known as the motherly, grandmotherly type and goes out of her way to make things feel like home for those in need. Grasmick says she loves interacting with her clients, the volunteers, and is grateful to the community for being generous beyond belief. If the community knows that there's a specific need, it's usually donated. She said, everyone is so generous. So our hero of the day, Delene Grasmick, taking care of those that uh, stand in need. May we all follow that great example, folks. Remember, that's the goal of the show, to help, you, uh, to help you see the good in the world and know that everything, it's not perfect, but there's a lot that we can be doing. You can be a hero, too, just by giving your time, your attention, your focus, your service. This weekend, go hug your kids. Go be closer to your family. Look out for your neighbors. Make it a great weekend, folks. And until Monday, when we'll see you again, be safe. Make it a great life. We'll talk again Monday.